Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello there, and welcome again to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancalana, and today we are continuing in a series of podcasts that I am titling Quantum Insights. Basically, what I want to do is I want to synthesize and boil down and summarize the essential teachings that I have learned from some of my most important relationship mentors and teachers and gurus. I want to give you a shortcut to what these, you know, most of them quite famous, quite well-known people are all about. I want to kind of boil it down so you get a handle on what they stand for and what their basic message is and what their basic message is meant to me, right? So this is a very personal series. I'm not simply sharing with you kind of what they teach. I'm sharing with you what I've taken away from their books, their teachings, their programs, and how it's impacted my life, how it's touched me, how it's helped me experience moments of quantum growth in my life. And I just believe that the impact that these people's work has had on me can have the same effect on you. So that's kind of the dream here. Uh, I'm not so much wanting you to become followers of everybody and everything I meet, I, you know, that I talk about in this series, although that would be great. I sort of, I sort of want to save you the effort that I've put in by reading all of these people's books and watching all their videos and surfing their websites and going to their live trainings if if they have them um, and you know kind of me me doing all the legwork and then coming back to you and say okay here's really what these people are about and here's how it can make a difference in your life so with that Last week was part one, and I chose as the person to lead off this series, uh, my relationship mentor, you could say, life mentor, the least known of everyone in the series. Okay, It's going to probably be a seven-part series. Jim Dethmer was the first person that I spoke of, and he probably is the least known the the person who is the least of a household name of any of them. 
but he's been the most powerful for me because I have known him for 30 some years and he's been basically my best friend and his work is incredible, but his work has mostly been involved in the corporate world, in the business world. He's more of a business coach. I'm more of a relationship coach. There's a lot of overlap because the principles of building an effective company are not that different, believe it or not, than building an effective relationship because companies are relationships with employees and coworkers and vendors and customers and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, good relationship, good conscious wisdom applies across the board. It just isn't very different because we humans are the same no matter if we're at work or on a date. Okay? So last week we talked about Jim Defmer and the basic, what I tried to net it down for you was, is what I've really taken from him is the idea of radical responsibility, right? The idea of just really owning the viewpoint and really choosing to see that you are a creator of your reality, of your results, of your experience, right? That it's not happening to you, so you're not a victim of circumstance. You are responsible for what's occurring in your life. You're responsible for your experiences and your results and kind of what you're going through. So we kind of stress that life doesn't happen to you. It happens by you or because of you. And we pointed all that out. And then I I kind of finalized that podcast last week. And I was even thinking that I should have mentioned this much earlier because I kind of thought maybe some people might have clicked off of the podcast before they heard the last part at the end. But one of the phrases that Jim Dethmer has said to me many times, and it's always, you know, touched me so deeply as being true and so profoundly different in the helping profession world. What he said is, Roy, I don't view myself. I don't view my kids, my wife, my friends. And I certainly don't view the people that I work with as having problems that need to be fixed. No matter what it is, I just don't look at, at people that way. I don't look at myself that way. I don't, I don't look at it like someone has a problem that needs to be fixed. I look at it as someone has self-created an experience for their own learning, right? So he was pointing out that we are creating our reality. We are creating our results. We are creating our experiences and it's for our learning. We don't have problems that need to be fixed. If we look at whatever problem we think we have and we turn it around and say, I don't see it as a problem, 
Like it's not happening to me. It, I'm not a victim. There's no blame. I'm looking at this situation as, okay, some way, somehow, I have set this up. I have played a part in this. I have brought this into existence. I have created this so that I get to learn something. Maybe primarily so that I get to learn how I'm creating this. (laughs) How I'm creating this relationship dynamic with my mother or with my children or with someone that I'm interacting with on an intimate way, in an intimate way. I'm not having a problem that needs to be fixed. I'm self-creating an experience as an opportunity for me to learn and grow. Okay? So that was last week. And I won't say anything more than that. You can go back and listen if you have not, which I would really recommend. But today... I want to, man, you know, I don't want to overstate things. Um, You know, I I don't want to be like some of these marketers you see on TV and especially in the health and wellness thing where they make promises that are just outrageous. Oh, you're going to lose 50 pounds in five weeks. You know, so I, I, I want to be careful not to overhype, but oh my God, what I'm going to share with you today from what I've learned from Michael Singer is perhaps, it's certainly in the top five things I've ever heard that have revolutionized my life, completely changed the way I see myself, the way I see relationships the way I see the world in itself and why it is the way it is. I want to talk to you today, uh, and I guess I would say, if part one was about radical responsibility, this one is about what I just might generally call the human condition. Just the human condition. Like, what are we up to as humans? You know, like, Sometimes, because we're all so human, which means we're so close to ourselves, that we we never step back from ourselves or from humanity at large and sort of look at it from a distance, and which doesn't give us the ability to kind of notice, like, what are we humans up to? Like... <laughs> Like, what's the deal? What are we doing? What, right? Because we're so involved in our lives, we're, we're so, we're so in it that we can't sometimes see what we're actually doing. In other words, we, we don't notice our real motivations. We don't notice what's really going on. We're just doing life. We're doing life the best way we know how. We're doing life certainly the way everyone else around us seems to think we should be doing it, right? And so it's a little bit like if you ever were able to have a conversation with a fish 
and you ask the fish, how's the water? I don't know if the fish would know what you're talking about. What do you mean water? <laughs> because the fish has never been out of water. So it, it doesn't, it doesn't really know it's in water. It's, it's, it's what they always experience. It's, it's their atmosphere. It's where they swim. It's, it's where they live. And so because they're so close to the water and so immersed in it, they can never step away and step out of it and notice the water in which they're swimming. And so that's what I want to do today. Well, not me, because I was as guilty of this as, as anyone. But Michael Singer, I, I think one of the geniuses that he brings to the spiritual discussion is that for whatever reason, maybe because he has been on a spiritual path for so long, maybe because he's been such an ardent meditator and done so much introspective and decades and decades of growth work, but he seems to have been able to kind of step outside of the human condition and notice what we're doing. Be able to say, do you, do you notice that you, you're doing this, that you feel that way, that this is how you're responding to that, and this is why? Do, do you see it? And I don't think many people have that ability. I don't think many people can step outside of themselves in a way and, and bring a type of clarity so that everybody, all the fish in the water get the opportunity to, to go, wow, I, I didn't know that the water was like this. I never noticed that before. Thank you for pointing that out. Now that you point it out, oh my God, you're right. Like now I can see it. Okay, so that's what I want to, that's what I want to do today. Um, and along those lines, I think this is one of the reasons why I'm a big fan of stand-up comedians, comedians in general. I mean, I have so much respect for them. And, and especially the really good ones like Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, um, Liza Schlesinger, um, God, is it Naomi Wolf? No, um, I forget. Um, there are so many good comedians. And if you listen closely to what a good comedian is doing, they're not really telling jokes. They're basically just describing what we do as people. <laughs> and they're just mirroring back. He's like, do you know that you do this? Do you, do you notice that we act this way, that we say these things, that we do these things? And a good comedian just points yourself out to you. Just, just tells you what you're doing and what you're thinking. And it's hilarious because... We're so funny as people, right? So the next time you hear a really good comedian and they're making you laugh, notice that they're, they're talking about the human condition. 
certainly in a different way than Michael Singer is, right? But they're just talking about what people do and what motivates us and, you know, our actions and interactions. And it's really funny. So I've just always been attracted to people that can point out what is so easily missed and sort of bring it to our awareness, bring it to our consciousness so that then we have this clarity of understanding. That's one of the phrases that Michael Singer uses all the time. In fact, you know, he's sort of very different from other spiritual teachers in that he really doesn't teach meditation. He really doesn't teach that it's that big a deal. He doesn't teach that you got to meditate. Meditation is essential. He really doesn't teach spiritual practices. He basically says that the only thing that you need is clarity of understanding. If you understand what's going on in the world, if you understand what you're doing and why, like if you, if you have your eyes opened, if you sort of wake up and you start to really notice what's happening, he says, that's all that you need. If you want to meditate, fine. You want to do mantras, fine. You want to read books, fine. You want to go to workshops, fine. But the only real thing that matters is that you really open your eyes and see what's going on. What's motivating you? What's behind you? What's going on inside of you? What's happening in the world and in between people and relationships? All you need is clarity of understanding and the rest of it will simply take care of itself. Okay? So that's what I want to do is I want to I want to summarize for you how he describes the human condition. Okay? Now, this is going, remember last week I said that this podcast is about, you know, life, love, and the pursuit of intimacy. And I said last week on radical responsibility, sort of applied to our lives, it sort of applied to love and relationship, and it, it even applied to our pursuit of intimacy. So taking radical responsibility makes a different a difference in every area of our lives. I mean, our our lives in general, our relationship to love and, and people in general, and our pursuit of a partner. This week, this one really applies to love. Our relationship to love, our, our relationship to intimacy. This one really is about the why we want relationships in the first place. Why do we want love? Why do we want intimacy? Why do we want relationships? Right? Now, isn't that an odd question? I mean, when's the last time you ever heard someone talk about why do you want a relationship in the first place? No, really. What's the real reason you want a relationship? Right? It's because all of us are so relationally driven and it's so much a part of our culture doesn't mean it really matter where you live in the world. You know, it's such a, just a natural instinct that nobody ever stops 
and questions why we want intimacy and relationship in the first place. Now, that isn't to say there's something wrong with relationships or intimacy. And that's something I want to stress right here, right now. Everything I'm going to share and everything that Michael Singer is talking about that I'm summarizing, please don't hear anything when I describe the human condition as you're doing something wrong or bad or shameful. I mean, just the opposite. It's the most normal, natural thing in the world. So the human condition is the human condition. (laughs) It's just what we're doing. Now, that doesn't mean it necessarily works or that it's really beneficial to our lives, but it's not bad. It's not wrong. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's nothing like that at all. We're going to just be a little bit more pragmatic. We're just going to look at the human condition and say, you know, how is it working? You know, and, and if it's not working, maybe is there another way to go about this, right? But most of us never stop to ask, like, why do I want a relationship in the first place? And that gets us in to this conversation about the human condition. So there's five basic points. Now, if you are an ardent listener to this podcast, some of these are going to be familiar to you. But I don't think I have talked directly about this subject since the very early days of this podcast. I mean, maybe 112, 113 episodes ago. So that's 112, 113 weeks ago. Okay. So it's over two years ago that I talked about this directly. Um, And if this is somewhat of a review to you, then here's how I view it. Stick, stick it out. Stick in there with me. If you, if you think you've heard this before, because haven't you found a book that has spoken to you so powerfully that you read it over and over again? I know I have. I mean, Michael Singer's book, The Untethered Soul. I'll bet you I've read it 15 times. Why would I keep reading it? Because different things jump out at me every time I read it because I'm in a different place. And so something he's writing touches me differently. So even if you have heard me talk about this before, you probably could use to hear it again. (laughs) Or at least maybe I'm going to say something that touches you in a way that is new and is fresh. Okay. But I think for most of you listening, this is going to be pretty brand new material and that's great. So let's start with this kind of a five part, five principles of the human condition. And let's start with the, with the easiest one. And the first one is that you exist. (laughs) Okay. That, that you exist. In other words, like Michael Singer says, you know, when he's in his, you know, um, he has his own facility. I've been there many, 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 many times. And he'll look at the audience and say, hello, are, are you in there? And he'll make eye contact and wave at you, you know, and you're like, yeah, I'm in here. I, I'm right. So he's making the point that we're here. We exist. Okay. Now we go a little deeper. 
Step number two, how are you doing in there? What's it like to be you? How are you in there? Usually. So you exist. You're there. And if you, if you tune in, or if you were honest with us, if you're honest with yourself, how are you doing in there? What's it like in there? What's it like to be you? Now, let's just be honest here. There are times when you feel absolutely wide open and full of bliss, right? You have moments when you're just just completely happy. I mean, maybe you're driving down the road and your favorite song comes on the radio and for a moment you're just, there isn't a problem in the world. You're singing along and you're just, you're just lost in the beauty of the moment. Maybe you're taking a walk in nature and you see a flower or you see a deer or an animal of some kind and you're just mesmerized, right? And it's like, wow. And it's like for a moment, the earth stopped spinning, right? And and you're just captivated by the beauty of something, maybe a sunset, um, maybe a mountain with snow, a snow-capped mountain. Maybe you make eye contact with a little baby, right? And, and you just have this moment of openness, this moment of wonder, right? Perhaps you're walking down the street and you see the most adorable little puppy, And in that moment, your heart just explodes in how sweet the little thing is, right? And and for that little nanosecond, there is not a problem in the world, right? You're you're just open. You're, as the Indians might call it, you know, the, the, the Hindu tradition, sat chit ananda, eternal conscious bliss. Right? You're just in this moment of bliss and openness and and there's no problem, there's no suffering. Okay? So I'm not saying that that never happens to you. But if you exist and if you're honest and someone says, how you doing in there? What's usually the truth? Come on now. <laughs> What's usually the truth? Is it something usually bothering you? Honestly, isn't something usually bothering you? Aren't you worried about something? Aren't you mulling something over in your head? Aren't you concerned about something? Aren't you thinking about something? Aren't you maybe remembering something from the past that you might be embarrassed of or upset about or angry about? Or aren't you maybe thinking of the future, something's going to be happening and you don't know how it's going to turn out? So in other words, isn't there a pretty normal, ongoing not okay feeling going on inside of you. Now, this is important. If you, if you can't 
well, first of all, if you don't notice it, if you don't notice that there is a consistent type of not okay feeling, then you're not paying attention to yourself because it's the human condition. And again, I'm not saying that every moment of your freaking life is kind of clouded by this not okay feeling. No, I just mentioned a bunch of different examples of how you can have moments of complete openness and bliss. But aren't those kind of rare? Right? Aren't aren't they pretty rare that you feel like there is not a problem in the world? Everything is right. Right? That doesn't happen hardly ever to you, does it? It doesn't to me. There's almost always something bothering me. Now, I'm not saying that this not okay feeling means you are on the verge of suicide or that you are so distraught that you you can't even function. I'm not I'm not talking about that kind of I'm not okay in here. Right? I'm about to put a gun in my mouth. If I had a bunch of pills, I'd take them. I'm not talking about that kind of level of suffering. I'm talking about the type of suffering that is so normal that you might not even notice it because it's there all the time. I remember I grew up in a little town called Franklin Park, Illinois. Okay, you can look it up on a map. It's just kind of south east of O'Hare International Airport. And it's like within a, a mile or two of the airport. And we lived, my address was 2902 Pearl Street, if you really want to find it. But we lived in a flight pattern for O'Hare. Planes landed right over our house. Right? I mean, they would come in I think it was every 60 seconds to 90 seconds at the most, one after another. And I don't know how high above they were. I don't know, six, 700 feet. I I don't know. Maybe, Maybe it was, maybe it's actually more than that. But when you would be outside, you'd look up. I mean, that plane, I mean, the wheels were down and it, that plane looked like it was close and it was loud. Okay. It was loud. And they're coming one after another all day, all night, because O'Hare is the first or second busiest airport in the world. Okay? So where am I going with this? Well, there were times when I would have friends over or we would have relatives over, people that might have lived in the Chicago area or even in a neighboring town, but they didn't live in a flight pattern like that. And they'd come over and they would hear this plane landing and it was driving them nuts. Like, how do you live with that? And we were like, oh my God, I don't even notice it. I mean, yeah, I guess it is kind of loud, but you know what? We we sort of gotten used to it. You you really got to the place where you didn't even notice the planes, (laughs) right? It's like someone who lives next to a train track. You ask them. 
If they've been there for years, I don't even notice the trains anymore. But they're there. They're making tons of noise. And and when you're not familiar with the noise, then you can really hear it, right? But but if it's always happening, it's almost like I don't even notice it anymore. Okay, that is exactly what this not okay feeling is like. It's been so not okay inside of you all the time, you don't even notice it. You might not even notice it anymore. What do you mean a not okay feeling? <laughs> Why? Because, well, because, because it always feels this way, right? You, you so rarely have a moment when that not okay feeling isn't there that you think that this normal way that you feel on the inside is normal. It, it, there's like, there's nothing wrong with it. This, this is, this is how I always feel. So you, you don't even notice it, right? So when I talk about having a not okay feeling on the inside of you, and if, if you're like, man, Roy, I don't know if I buy that. That's because you've been living with the not okay feeling for so long that you think that's normal and you, you don't even notice it. But if you had a moment of real openness, of real peace, and then you went back to your normal life, you'd go, oh my God, can I hear the airplanes now? I had no idea there was so much noise in my soul. I had no idea there was such inner turbulence. Right? Same way you're flying on a plane. If the plane is always shaking and someone says, oh, that was bad turbulence, you'd go, what do you mean? Because it's always shaking. You only notice turbulence because the plane glides through the air so smoothly. And when it hits rough air, then you notice it. Right? So that's how it's like. The air within us is so turbulent, we don't even notice it anymore. So sometimes one of the things I wish for myself and for other people is that we would have a moment of real peace. Because if we did, it would absolutely freak us out the way we normally live. It w- you would be like, oh my God, I cannot believe the amount of inner turbulence and not okayness that I've been living with my whole life. And I only see it now because I had a moment of glory. I can't resist giving you an example of this from the Bible. Like I'm not that big into the Bible anymore. Maybe many of you are. That's cool. That's fine. I don't care. But there was a time in Jesus' life where he sort of wanted his disciples to get a glimpse of of what life really could be, what it was really like. Because he knew his disciples were living in the world, living in the normal everyday existence, and they didn't know anything different. They didn't know what was possible. They didn't know, they, they heard about heaven, but they'd never been there, right? They had no real idea. They had nothing to compare their normal everyday life with in compared to what it could be, what Jesus knew was possible. And so this is the part in the Bible that's called the transfiguration. 
Some of you who are big Christians will know exactly what I'm talking about. Jesus took just a couple of his disciples. I think he took just a few people that he thought could handle it. He took them up, I think, on the side of a mountain. And what the Bible says is Jesus showed himself to them. Like he took off the garments of his humanity. And what was called the Shekinah glory was revealed to them. So in other words, Jesus, like, I don't want to say took his clothes off because you'll, you'll think that's not really what I mean, but he took off his humanity for a moment and showed them his, where he really lives. He showed them glory. He showed them heaven. He showed them the real presence of God. And then his disciples saw that. And their reaction had to be, oh my God, we live in hell. If that's what's possible, I had no idea. In other words, they were able to see the not okay feeling because Jesus gave them a vision of being totally okay, I guess you could say. Do you follow me? So that's one of the reasons why when Michael Singer or myself, we talk about, okay, you exist. You're in there, right? Hello, you're in there. Yep, I'm here, Roy. Um, How you doing in there? Oh, I'm okay. No, you're not. You only think you are because you haven't experienced anything different. So I've got to take the gloves off on you here. Are you ready for this? I got to take the gloves off on you and I... I'm actually going to read a couple things I wrote in my book about this um, because we can't go any further in this discussion of the human condition unless you really grasp that you're not okay in there. Okay? And again, I'm not saying you're suicidal. I'm not saying that you're in such extreme agony that you can't function. I'm saying you're living with with kind of an inner turbulence, an inner noise, an inner upset, an inner, like something's bothering you. It's just like a not okay feeling. So for instance, isn't it common to feel lonely? See, if you ever feel lonely, that's what I mean by you're not okay in there. Is you, you might argue, well, everybody feels lonely. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why it's called the human condition. But you don't have to feel lonely, right? I mean, so feeling lonely is not a good feeling, right? It's not an open, blissful feeling like when you see a, a deer in the woods or you make eye contact with your brand new little baby, right? It's, it's not that, right? It's, it's, it's a not okay feeling. Do you ever feel anxious, tense, worried, troubled, bothered, <laughs> right? Who's, who's going to say I never feel anxiety? Most of us, if we're honest, there's kind of a level of anxiety that's always there. Most of us, if we're honest are going to admit that there's kind of an inner restlessness. There's kind of an inner thing, kind of a, an uncomfortable kind of feeling that I try to ignore, that I 
try to medicate sometimes that I try to distract myself from, but it's there. It's an anxiety. It's a, it's a restlessness. I would call it, it's, it's a not okay feeling. Okay. How often do we feel insecure or lost, confused, right? The attachment styles right now are all the rage, correct? Okay. The anxious attachment style. That's a not okay feeling, <laughs> right? As, so I'm not saying it's the end of the world. I'm not saying you want to slit your wrists. I'm just saying, hey, you don't feel that good in there, right? It's, it's not okay. It's, it's not comfortable in there. There's not this, as the Bible calls it, peace beyond understanding, right? No, there's kind of, a not, kind of an uncomfortable, not okay feeling in there, a restlessness, if you have the avoidance style, it's the same thing. It's a not, ooh, I, I got to avoid something. Why would you want to avoid something if you felt okay? Why would you be anxious to attach to someone if you already felt okay? Isn't it only because you're not okay that you want to attach? So there's these, so there's these feelings of loneliness or anxiety or insecurity of kind of feeling lost, confused. Don't you experience self-doubt, discouragement, boredom? What is boredom? Boredom is not an okay feeling, right? Again, it's not the end of the world, but boredom, regret, shame, jealousy, right? I mean, don't you have all these feelings? Isn't there something going on inside of you all the time? Like if somebody came along and, and, and gave you a truth serum and asked you, how are you feeling right now? Isn't it pretty much 99 out of 100 times you asked that you would say something that we would put in a category? Okay, so you're not okay in there, right? Again, no shame. There's nothing wrong with not feeling okay in there. I'm spending so much time on this because the ego is so good at lying to us that we're fine, that we're okay, that, oh, well, everybody has a little this or that. So in other words, most of us, when we hear this message that we exist and then someone says, well, how are you doing in there? And someone says, you're not doing okay in there. We fight that. So I'm, I'm wanting to go to great pains to, to, to make sure that your eyes are open to really notice what's going on in there, that some of these very normal feelings, very human feelings are exactly what I'm talking about, exactly what Michael Singer is talking about. You're not okay in there when you're anxious or you're bored or you're lonely or you have some sort of regret or self-doubt or worry or discouragement, or disappointment. Aren't you often stressed, overwhelmed, restless, right? I mean, if, if you're stressed, I, you can't be okay in there if you're stressed, <laughs> right? You can't be okay on the inside if you're lonely or bored, right? That's So that's why I'm saying is, I'm setting the bar pretty low for this not okay feeling because it's 
It's just so true. Don't you have painful memories? Don't you notice your mind is always doing the worst case scenario? Like, what if this happens? Oh my God, what if that happens? Oh my God, what if they don't call me? What if they do this? And what if that happens? What if I lose my job? And what if the economy goes worst? And don't you notice that that happens? That little voice in your head is usually yapping about something because that little voice in your head is kind of not okay. Don't you know your tendency to want to protect yourself? Why? Because something feels vulnerable in there. Doesn't it? Don't you sometimes have such busy thoughts that you have a hard time falling asleep or staying asleep or being able to just sit by yourself and enjoy a quiet moment? Don't you notice, like me, that when there's a quiet moment, you kind of get the heebie-jeebies. Where's my phone? <laughs> eh, let's scroll through Twitter. Eh, let me scroll through Facebook. Eh, let me go to Instagram and check this out. Right. Let me turn the TV on. I'll put some music on. It's like when you have nothing happening and you're just sitting alone in a room. Don't you get a little antsy? Why is that? Because there's, there's some sort of not okay feeling in there, inside there. You follow me? I remember um, Scott Killaby. He's one of my teachers. Um, I'm not mentioning him in this series. But in one of his books, this is what he wrote. At the core of our experience is a deep restlessness that both propels us toward the future and makes the present moment feel threatening. As if we have to constantly escape it. <laughs> but then he says... Don't believe me, though. Check it out for yourself in your own experience. Sit for two hours alone in a room without any of your usual addictive indulgences. This will bring up that core restlessness. And I just laugh at that. I'm like, two hours? What about 20 minutes? Do it sometime. Sit down for 20 minutes and don't do anything. And see just see what happens. <laughs> You're going to have a not okay feeling in there. You're going to feel like I need to do something. Oh, God, my mind is starting to race. And I'm, now I'm thinking about stuff I shouldn't be thinking about. And I don't want to think about that. And now I'm worried about this. And, you know, and it, I'm, you know, doubting myself. I'm talking to myself. I'm criticizing myself. Okay. So am, are you with me that you exist and then when I say, how you doing in there? The answer is eh, actually not so good. I mean, not awful, not jump off a bridge bad, but okay. I have a not okay feeling. If you do, you're ready for point number three. I'm here to tell you that that not okay feeling is so uncomfortable and so intolerable that we could say your life's purpose is to fix it. Sit with that. That not okay feeling that you have that has many faces, it takes many forms, but it's not comfortable. 
In fact, it's intolerable. And basically, when you get right down to it, the purpose of your life is to fix that. Perhaps moment to moment. Perhaps over and over and over again, day in and day out. That if you really step back, you step back and you look at humanity. What are we doing? We are trying to make ourselves feel alive on the inside. Are we not? No matter what it is we're doing. We're trying to fix that not okay feeling because it is intolerable. I don't think it's an overstatement to say that your life's purpose is about dealing with that, fixing it, if not permanently, at least temporarily. Let me give you some examples. I'll start with more radical ones. Why do people gamble? Really? Oh, because it's exciting, because it's kind of thrilling. It's kind of, oh man, it's like when I'm, you know, I'm doing that, it's like, what's going to happen? Am I going to win? I'm going to lose. It's kind of, it's kind of fun. Well, what's behind all of that? Isn't it that you don't feel okay on the inside and you need something exciting? You need something thrilling? Like if you were already in bliss, would you need the thrill of gambling? Would you? Of course you wouldn't. Right? If you already feel filled with love and joy and excitement, enthusiasm and passion, why would you need to, to gamble? If you felt alive and joyful and filled with love and hope and, and passion, why would you need porn? What's porn? Isn't it something that kind of distracts us from a not okay feeling? What about, a sh what about shopping? I'm not talking about a shopping addiction. Everything that we do we do for a reason. Everything that we like, all of our interests, if you really look at them, they do something for us. They make us feel alive. They temporarily fix the not okay feeling. Or they medicate it or distract us from it. Why do we drink? Or use drugs? Come on, why? Now, I'm not saying you should never watch porn. I'm not saying you shouldn't drink. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to the boat and gamble. I'm not. Not at all. I do some of those things. I don't do porn much anymore. I'm kind of, it doesn't, it's not, I, when I was younger, younger man, it was a bigger deal to me. But nah, not much anymore. I'm not into gambling at all. But man, I'm into golf. I love to compete. I love that feeling. Why? 
because there's this feeling of insecurity in me. There's this feeling of not being good enough, of not being worthy, of not being valid that propels my competitiveness. Do you see? This not okay feeling. We didn't even talk about some of these core stories of deficiency that I'm not good enough. I'm not attractive. I'm not lovable. I'm not wanted. I'm not desirable. I'm unworthy. You know, who doesn't have something like that going on in there? That's what I'm talking about when I say this, you exist in there and how you doing in there? I'm not, I'm not okay. Because I have this feeling of being unlovable or unworthy or unwanted or I'm filled with doubt or loneliness or anxiety or boredom. You're right. You see, this is the human condition. So it's not bad or wrong. It's just true. And because these feelings of being unlovable or being bored or lonely are so powerful, they can't be ignored. It turns out then that your life is about fixing that. Your life is about trying to fix that not okay feeling or to not be bored or to not be lonely or to not have self-doubt, right? Do you get that? That these feelings are so powerful. They're so intolerable that your whole life be, is, becomes about them. But see, nobody notices that. So when we say, why do you want a relationship? We get to point number four. Because if it's not our favorite strategy to fix the not okay feeling, it's in everybody's top three. But for people listening to this podcast, the Attracting Lasting Love podcast, the favorite way that we think we can fix that not okay feeling is if I find a partner. Why do you want a relationship? Because I think a partner will fix my not okay feeling. That's why I want a partner. Come on now. Come on now. Be honest. Come on. The reason that you want a partner is because you believe that if you find the right partner, they're going to make you feel lovable or wanted. They're going to heal loneliness or boredom. Do you see it? And why do you make a list of qualities? What's that about? If you're not familiar with me too much, you know I'm really against making a list of qualities you want in a partner. Here's why. What is your list really about? You're telling the universe, I've got this not okay feeling in me, and I don't need just any partner. I need a specific kind of partner. And so I have a list. This is the exact person that I need to love me, because if they do, it's going to fix this mess I got going on on the inside. That's what Michael Singer teaches. Is that not true or not? Come on now. Have you ever seen it that clearly? 
It's like, oh my God, the first time I heard this, I was undone. I was like, holy shit, that's exactly, it's exactly what my whole life has been about. I've had this undesirable feeling inside of me. It's rooted in my relationship with my mother. I won't go into all that right now, but I've always felt undesirable. Solution? Find a woman, find a a beautiful woman. And if you can get her attention and affection, oh my God, that fixes the undesirable. Oh, I must be desirable because she wants me. She wants to have sex with me. She wants to be with me. So it wasn't just any woman. I needed a specific kind of woman. Because that undesirable, not okay feeling in me was so intolerable, I had to do something to deal with it. And in my mind, my mind said, yeah, yeah, find a partner. Find a partner. And this is the primary way that most of our minds... This is the strategy that most of our minds come up with to help us with this not okay feeling. You need to find the right kind of partner and you better make a big list. Okay? Now, there's no shame in any of this. This is just what we do. I just want to ask you, does it work? That's what I want to ask you. Does it work? Does something from the outside of you ever fix something on the inside of you permanently? Oh, yeah, you can find someone who flirts with you and they're really attractive. And for a while, you, you've, you'll feel desirable. Sure, sure. But stay in that relationship for a few months. And then notice when they make eye contact with another woman or another man. Then tell me how you feel. It's like, oh, my God, that... Am I not desirable? That person's better looking than me. They just made eye contact with that person. Oh my God, now I feel insecure again. There it is. The not okay feeling did not go away. It just got covered up for a moment. It got temporarily fixed, but it wasn't really fixed. It was just covered. And then something in life happens and it's exposed again. So our primary strategy for fixing the not okay feeling is to find an intimate relationship. That's the real reason you want a relationship is to fix a not okay feeling. Now, there are lots of other ways that we try to fix the not okay feeling. Again, everything we do in life is about that. So we do it with our careers. We do it by trying to get likes on social media and followers. We do it by trying to get money or to have our bodies look a certain way. Everything we do, the outfit you chose this morning to put on was because you thought you put that on, it's going to make me feel good on the inside. Everything we do from the food we eat to the people we hang out with, all of it, everything we do, we're not conscious of this. It's we, we, we do this stuff because we think, and it sometimes does, make us feel alive. It gives us a feeling of aliveness. It gives us a feeling, a little bit of joy, of passion, enthusiasm, happiness. 
Why do we need to find things to do that? Because we don't have that already inside of us. We feel not okay. So therefore, my life has to be about finding all kinds of shit that makes me feel alive. But what if you already felt alive? What if you, what if you did the work and you recognized as Jesus did that he was one with God? That he lived in glory. So what would happen if you were already alive? Well, wouldn't that change everything that you do? It certainly would change the reason that you do everything. So... um, So the fifth point is an obvious one, and that is that the strategy your mind comes up with to fix the not okay feeling doesn't work. It's not wrong. It's not bad. It's it's nothing to feel shame about. It just doesn't work. If you did find something that permanently and deeply removed the the not okay feeling, your core story of deficiency, your self-doubt, your boredom, your loneliness, your insecurity, if you ever found something that did it and permanently removed it, then you should do that. But you won't. Because nothing on the outside of you will ever fix anything permanently on the inside of you. This is inside work. But you see, the world around us keeps telling us, you're lonely? Well, find a partner. That'll fix it. No, it won't. And you know it because you've been in relationships. And you were lonely and you met someone and for a while, oh my God, the loneliness is gone. I'm in love. Well, what about now? Don't blame it on them like they turned out to be a schmuck. You've got to notice that, you know what? The relationship didn't do what I thought it would do. Maybe relationships don't fix the not okay feeling. And I'm here to say, not only don't they, they're not supposed to. See, we are trying to have an intimate partner do something that they aren't designed to do. They aren't capable of it. This is why my slogan, if someone described my work, if somebody did a podcast like I'm doing and they use me as the spiritual guru, you could summarize my work by saying, well, what Roy really teaches is that life partners make lousy life sources. And that's exactly what we do. We're not seeking a partner. We're seeking a life source. We're seeking someone who will fill a void, fix a problem, finish a story, or help us find an identity. That's what we're up to when we're trying to attract lasting love. 
We believe that if we find the right partner, we've got our list. We believe that our not okay feeling, however you want to describe it, it's going to fill that void or it's going to fix that problem or it's going to finish that story like I'm unlovable or it's going to help me find an identity. You know how easy it is to feel lost and disconnected without a partner? Like we don't know who you are without someone. Like I feel like I'm his wife or I'm her partner, right? You feel almost like you become, like you get an identity when you're in relationship with someone. But when you're single, you come, you can sometimes feel invisible in a sense. That's, that's, that's one of those not okay feelings of being invisible, maybe unwanted. Well, if somebody sees me, right, if they want me, it's like, oh, God, it's like I've come alive. It's like I'm, you know, I'm, I found an identity, right? So there you go. Michael Singer basically teaches about the human condition. And he says, you're in there. You exist. How you doing in there? You get, you're not doing so good. You have a not okay feeling. That feeling is un- intolerable. Your whole life is about fixing it, whether you know it or not. Take a look. You'll see it. And your favorite strategy to fix the not okay feeling is to find a partner. And then the bad news is it just doesn't work. It's not a bad thing. Keep trying if you want to. But you're going to find out that that guy is going to disappoint you. Oh, they might be a great partner. But they're not going to be a life source. They're not going to fill that void, fix that problem, finish that story, help you find an identity. They're going to fail at that. And if you, if you try to get that from them, you're going to put too much pressure on the relationship and you're screwed. Trust me, I've done it. So it doesn't work. In my book, I, it's, it's like I say, using... A partner to fix a not okay feeling is like trying to paint a house with a hammer. You could do it, I suppose, but man, is it going to take you a long time. It's going to be frustrating, right? Because the hammer is not made for that. It's the wrong tool for the job, right? And a partner is great, but it's the wrong tool for the job of fixing your not okay feeling. So, The not okay feeling is still intolerable, is it not? It's still there. Once you learn that, okay, a partner doesn't fix it, that doesn't fix the feeling. The feeling is still there. It's raw. It's real. And then people say, well, what do I, well, how do I fix it? Call me. Honestly, this is what I do as a coach. I help you find the connection that you have within you. I help you discover that there is no void to fill. There is no problem to fix. There is no story to finish. It's just made up in your head. And there is no identity to find. You are, I am that I am. You are already, right? So it's the spiritual journey that deals with the not okay feeling. And once you do that, then people say, well, well, then if I'm understanding you right, Roy, that I would never want a relationship, right? Wrong. You'll just want it for the right reasons. 
You'll just want a relationship because you got all this love in you and that love wants to be expressed. Love wants to flow. You're going to have this fullness, this completeness that you'll sense within you and you'll want to give it to someone, but you're not going to be in the relationship to get something from them. I need you to meet my emotional needs. What does that mean? I need you to fix my not okay feeling. Do you get that? That's why I'm famous for saying the purpose of a relationship is not to meet your emotional needs. That is just code for the purpose of a relationship is that you fix my not okay feeling. Good luck with that. He or she is a hammer and you're trying to paint the house with them. It's not going to work. But you will still want a relationship, not because you're trying to get something from them. Now you now you don't need anything from them. Because you're doing that work yourself. You're sourcing from within yourself. I don't need you to be my source. But now I got all this love in here. Now I've got all this really okay feeling inside of me. And I just want to pour it all over someone. I just want to give it to my children, to my friends, to my lover, to my family, to pets, to the world. I just, this love just doesn't, it's like a river. It wants the flow. You'll just want the relationship for a completely different reason. And we can talk more about that in future episodes. But right now, if you're like me, you need someone to walk with you and help you deal with your not okay feeling in a more productive, profound, and healthy way. And that's what I'm here for. So I am here to help people that, you know, really see their human condition and they want out of that loop. I don't feel okay on the inside. I'm going to try to design my life so that I can feel okay and I want to find the right partner. And then you find someone and, ooh, and it sounds hopeful. And then uh, then it's like, oh, you get into a relationship. And like I've been with my wife 15 years. She's an amazing woman. I love her with every inch of my body. But if I think she is going to fill that void in me, that she is going to make me feel desirable, are you kidding me? There's no way she can do it. She's not capable and she wouldn't even want to try. That's your deal, dude. I love you. I do desire you. But I can't get in there and heal that wound. That's not my job. That's not I can't even, even if I wanted to, I couldn't do it. So I love my wife, but I'm not with her to get something from her. She doesn't have a job to do. She doesn't, she's not here to meet my emotional needs. She's in my life because I just want to love her. I just want to love her. And she's not looking for my love to fix her or fill some void in her. She has a, a fundamental feeling of being unlovable. That's her thing. I can't fix that. And she's not asking me to, right? 
I'm just loving her because I got love. But she's not seeking it from me. She's not demanding it from me. If I don't text her back right away when she texts me, she doesn't freak out. Okay? Because there's no neediness in the relationship. Now, we've had to work our asses off to get there. Me with a coach, her with a therapist. For years, we did our work before we met each other. And that gave us a chance to get together and not be codependent because that's what codependency is. When you make a list of qualities you want in a partner, you are designing codependency. That's what you're doing. I'm depending on you to be this kind of person and to stay being that kind of person because if you are that person, it fixes my not okay feeling. And if you do that, well, then I will be your kind of person and I will do the things you need me to do to fix your not okay feeling. And so you'll, I'll depend on you and you'll depend on me and we'll try to make that work. Good luck <laughs> because you're in a relationship with a human not God, and they're going to disappoint you. They're going to not meet your emotional needs. And then what do you do? Now I'm mad at them. Well, I'm not going to meet his needs because he hasn't been there for me this week. You see, now you get in the power struggle, right? You get in, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to give him sex. I'm not going to give him this or that because he hasn't been there for me. He hasn't been paying attention to me. Right, And then the relationship spirals into bitterness and resentment, and I've done it. This is why I know it, and I know you know it too. So at some point, you've got to see this. You've got to see that you are square in the middle of the human condition, and you've got to say, Roy, I need off that merry-go-round. i got to get off this. It's killing me. And when you're ready to get off, I'm right here. Roy at coachingwithroy.com. Call my cell 407 687 3387. Until next week, bye bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.